0: Who's feeling a little bit tired this morning? Just me? It's a good week. I hope you were able to make it to at least part of conference. I know uh, I was here for the majority of it, and uh, it was fantastic. It was good to hear the messages. It was good to fellowship with others from other churches around the place. Uh, It was just a, a good week. Often when we come through these... Conferences, when we come through camps or we come through these intensive periods where we're spending time in God's Word, there is this emotional high. There is this period of time where we, we feel like we're somehow wrapped up in it, where we're somehow protected from everything else, where we are fellowshipping with other believers, where we are all consumed by the things of God. Very quickly, for me, for instance, on Thursday I went back to work and it was like a bit of a slap in the face, because reality was there. This morning I want to spend a little bit of time with you and talk about how do we deal with that. So now that I've come through this this mountaintop experience, now that I've come through what could be kind of like a New Year's for us believers, understand what I'm saying? When we get to New Year's every year, what do we do? We make resolutions. We, we, We start to pledge, hey, I'm going to do this next year. I'm going to do this better. I'm going to stop doing that. And conference can kind of be like that for us as believers. We sit in conferences and we hear these these messages and and the Holy Spirit works through what the preachers are preaching and we come out of that and often we make commitments and often we learn things and we, we want to apply that to our lives. But the further we get away from conference and the more we get saturated back into real life, the more those begin to fade away. And the more we start to slide back into normal. So this morning I want to spend a little bit of time perhaps giving you some steps. And you have been saturated with amazing preaching over the last few days. So I'm not going to make this really deep because I'm not a really deep guy. I'm going to try and be... A little bit practical this morning, give you a few things that, that you can take away. And if you're a new believer here this morning, I want you to pay particular attention to this. If you're an old believer here this morning, your notebooks are already full because you just went through conference, but, but maybe just tune in anyway. So let's go ahead and pray and then let's get into this. Gracious Heavenly Father, we are weary. Father, many of our body are sick. Uh, Father, as we even look at the service this morning, things are different. Uh, Father, I pray this morning that we would not be distracted by those things. uh, Father, as we come before you and we worship you, Father, as I humbly come before you and, and I know that in and out of myself I feel unprepared and I feel inadequate this morning, Father, I pray that you would use this to draw glory to yourself and Father, encourage us. Father, you're good and we love you. In your name, amen. The first role that I had as a soldier was as a paratrooper, airborne. At its core, the role of a parachute as a The role of a paratrooper is to parachute in behind enemy lines to secure key terrain so that other soldiers can come along with more force, with more weapons, with more equipment and secure it even more than that initial securing that we did. As a paratrooper, you have to carry everything onto the plane with you that you're going to use to win that fight. You have to take everything with you and then you jump out of the plane with everything that you need to win that fight. As you sit in that plane, it's hot, it's uncomfortable, you're weighed down with the burden of equipment, of ammunition, of weapons of your food stores, of water. The people around you are reacting in different ways. Some people sleep. Some people just sit there and stare blankly. Some people throw up. Eventually, you're given the signal that you are getting close to the drop zone. and You're told to stand up and you're told to hook on. The air is turbulent as the pilot attempts to get the plane to an altitude that you can jump from. Now, paratroopers aren't skydivers, so they're not jumping at 25,000 feet. A paratrooper typically jumps at about 1,000 foot. The lowest I've ever jumped is 750 foot. You're in the air for no time before you hit the ground. So the pilot is attempting to stabilise the plane, to control the plane, as you're standing in the back... With all of that weight bearing down on you, you have about 50 to 60 kilos that you're carrying at that point, in addition to your own body weight, which for me is about 45 kilos. <laughs> what? The plane continues to buffet and to buck around in the air, and your limbs are screaming at you to do something as you brace against the movement of the aircraft. All you want to do is to get out of the plane. For those of you who haven't jumped out of a plane, that sounds like a crazy idea. Finally, the signal comes. The red light at the back of the aircraft goes from brilliant red to green. And one by one, each paratrooper makes their way out of the aircraft. Suddenly, all that weight is gone. And you're free-falling. You lower your parachute below you and it hangs, sorry, not your parachute, your pack below you and it hangs off a tether and you float through the air for just a few minutes. Suddenly it's peaceful. All you can hear is the flutter of the wind in your canopy and it's quiet. The earth gradually and then very quickly rises up to meet you. Suddenly you are confronted with the reality once again and it's all going to come to a sudden stop. Quickly the sounds of the fluttering canopy above you are drowned out by the sounds of battle and even more suddenly you hit the ground with the thud. You case your parachute, you check your equipment, The calm and the weightlessness, the silence is now gone. Around you is battle. And you as a soldier prepare to face what lay before you as a warrior fully equipped for that battle. So often as young believers and even as older, more mature believers, we feel like our new life in Christ begins a bit like that. We were living under the excruciating weight of sin and sometimes as we walk into conference, that's sort of the feeling that we have living under the excruciating weight of sin with no perceivable way to unburden our souls, And then we see the light, the glorious light of salvation. We take that step of faith and we find peace. Soon enough, that peace is shattered by the war against our souls. The peace is shattered by the lust of our flesh as it screams out, and demands for control once again. What we didn't realize before salvation, what we struggle to come to grips with even now after salvation, is that the war for your heart and for your mind is intensifying. But the difference now that you are saved, now that you are a child of God, or as you've gone into conference and you know that you're a child of God, and you know that you're saved, and you have history of study behind you, history of confidence, of conferences behind you, you know these things, but there is still this battle, you know that you're a citizen of heaven. The difference for us, we're no longer a slave to sin you as a young believer that got saved recently, and there's a few of us within our body here, while you were still in your sin, you were a slave to that sin. You had no choice but to sin. Now in Christ, you are no longer a slave to that sin. Sin has not got the command over you. You can have victory over the sin in your life. And believer, this morning, it doesn't matter how long you've been saved, you can have victory over sin. And as we walk away from conference, thinking about the things that we were dealing with before, and as we put those messages through our minds, and we think about the things that we've committed to, we can complete those. If the Holy Spirit laid it on my heart to deal with something, now that I'm stepping away from conference and that's beginning to be a little bit gray or a little bit further away, I still can have confidence that God is doing that work in me. Have a look at First Peter chapter two, verse eleven. We see here in First Peter that there is a war. And believer, you must fight. There is a war and you must fight. 1 Peter 2, chapter... Sorry, chapter 2, verse 11. Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims. Abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul. There is a very very real battle for your heart. And that battle may never be more obvious than now as you walk away from conference. As you come off that mountaintop experience and you walk back into the battle. Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, Abstain from fleshly lusts which war against your soul. When we look at the original wording, there is a strong understanding that there is a well coordinated and deliberate war for your heart, for your mind, for your allegiance. Yes, you are saved. Yes, you are a citizen of heaven. Yes, you are a child of God. And no, you cannot lose your salvation. But if the enemy can stop you from engaging in that war, if he can stop you from protecting your heart and your mind, if the enemy can convince you that complacence is okay, The enemy can convince you that the sin that so easily besets you is not really a big deal. Then think for a moment about the impact that that has on your ability to glorify God. Think for a moment about the impact On the people around you that are not saved. The people who do not have life. Who are not citizens of God's kingdom. Who are not even on the same side of the war as you. How will they even see Christ? If you don't continue to stand and fight, how, how will they ever be made new? If your testimony is shot to pieces in a moment of weakness, how will they come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ? conference was fantastic. It was a blessing. But now you've come off that mountain and you must re-engage in the battle. First Peter 5:8 says be sober be vigilant because your adversary the devil as a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom he will devour Whom resist steadfast in the faith know that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world this is how Paul looks at it in Timothy first 1 Timothy 1:18 1, he says this charge i commit unto thee son timothy according to the prophecies which went before on thee that thou mightest war a good warfare. Holding faith and a good conscience, which some, having put away concerning their faith, have made shipwreck. We are to war a good warfare. Remember as a child, in Sunday school and in church, we used to sing that old hymn, Onward, Christian Soldiers. Now, if I was a better preacher, I would sing that for you, but I am not that man. Danny's probably going to sing for you tonight. (laughs) Marching as to war with the cross of Jesus going on before. And that song conjured up in my mind huge groups of Christians going into battle against anything and anyone that stood against the gospel. My perspective was off. My thinking was off, in the same way that so many believers' thinking is off. This isn't a battle against the denomination down the road. This isn't a battle against unbelievers. This isn't even a battle against doctrinal differences. We entangle ourselves in those matters. A friend this morning, this war is waged for your heart and for your mind. I think too often we turn it into a battle for the exterior. We turn it into a battle for the visible because we are unwilling to address what is going on in our own hearts. Ephesians 6.12 says, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Believer, this morning there is a war and you must fight. Have the heart of a warrior. So let me give you three points this morning. The first one I want you to see this morning is be honest about your weaknesses, be single-minded. If I'm going to succeed in this battle for my heart and for my mind, I've got to be honest about my weaknesses. I've got to be single-minded in my focus. And that's not always easy. It's not easy to be honest with yourself. It's not easy to be honest with the people around you. It's not easy to address the wrong in your life. It's not easy to address the sin in our lives. It's not easy to open up and be transparent. You see, the reality is that I am a carefully crafted character that is perfectly designed to protect myself, to protect me, I've spent years perfecting how to hide my flaws. I've spent years perfecting how to hide my weaknesses and my perceived imperfections. And those weaknesses, those imperfections, those flaws, those sins will entangle me if I do not deal with them. 2 Timothy 2 verse 4 says, No man that warth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life. And you may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. Do you realize that you were chosen by God to be a soldier? You didn't volunteer for this army. As a Christian, you were chosen by God to fight. A good soldier continually reviews his weaknesses and is honest about them. A good soldier continually addresses his fault, and he knows what is needed and is purposeful in his pursuit of growth. A good soldier also knows that his weaknesses don't just impact him. They don't just impact his ability to fight, they also impact the people around him and their ability to fight. When I choose to sin, you are impacted. When I choose to sin, my family is impacted. When I choose to sin, my work is impacted. When I choose to sin, our pastor is impacted. Our sin is never in isolation. always has an impact. A good soldier realizes that unless he is honest about his weaknesses, his shortcomings, his shortfalls, the sin that he struggles with, until he realizes that he must turn them over to Christ, until he realizes that he must be transparent about them, You will not succeed in conquering that sin. Being honest about those weaknesses means that I am honest with God about that. And we find that relatively easy. I can go to God and I say, God, I'm struggling with this. But being honest about my sin also means that I'm honest with those that are close to me. I'm honest with those that can hold me accountable. And that's hard. Because I don't like to tell people where I struggle. I don't like to tell people or to expose my heart. It makes me vulnerable. But if I'm going to deal with that sin, if I'm going to get past that sin, if I'm going to live and grow as a man of God, I need to be transparent with those around me. Understand this, the same power that saved you from the destruction of your sin now works in you to fight sin. Let me say that again. The same power that saved you from the destruction of your sin now works in you to fight sin. What power was it that saved you from your sin? Was it your power? What power was it that saved you from your sin? God's power, and God's power works in you to deal with the sin that's in you. Romans six twelve. Let no sin, therefore, reign in your mortal body, that you should obey the lust thereof. Ephesians six ten. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might, not my might. My temptation, my desire is I can just deal with this. Maybe if I work hard enough, maybe if I muscle through this, I can deal with it myself. Maybe if I can do that, there'll be less embarrassment for me. Maybe if I can just work this out myself, it'll make it easier on everybody else. But the reality is you can't do it yourself. You have to do it in the power of God's might. I don't fight in my strength and in my defence, but in Christ's. As a good soldier, knowing that I have weaknesses, knowing that I have struggles with my sin, I must be single-minded. My focus must be on Jesus. James 1.8 says a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. As one who recognises that I will fail without Christ, I realise that I must be single-minded. I must not give place to sin. Don't give sin the power, the reign again. You're no longer a slave to sin. So stop handing sin the keys to your life. Galatians 16 through 17 says this I say then walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh for the flesh lusteth against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh and these are contrary one to another so they cannot do the things that you would be honest about your weaknesses set your focus on Christ walk in the spirit the second one I want you to see this morning Be properly equipped for battle, stand and fight, have the mind of Christ. Be properly equipped for battle, stand and fight, have the mind of Christ. The very same gospel that brings peace with God also declares war on sin. You cannot have one without the other. But equally as important, that same Spirit which drew us to God also provides us with the armor of God. Yes, there is a war for your heart and for your mind. And yes, you must engage in the fight. But God has provided you with everything you need to win each battle. Ephesians 6, 11 through 13 says, put on the whole armor of God. The whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the walls of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in that evil day, having done all to stand, stand therefore." Let me come back to the example of of being a paratrooper. You, You know, for a soldier, carrying all that weight is exhausting. If I weigh 65 kilos, which was about what I weighed when I was in the military, and I'm carrying 50 to 60 kilos, that's exhausting. You've got your ammunition, you've got your water, you've got your weapon. You've got everything that you need to get you through that battle. So what do we do as soldiers? I cut weight everywhere that I can. You might think it's crazy, but I would take my toothbrush and I would cut it down to where it was about 20 centimeters long. Why? Because I'm trying to save as much weight as I can. Every single thing, you take your ration pack, you strip everything out of your ration pack except the things that are going to keep you alive. I don't want any of the extras. Every single thing, we would strip weight, we would strip weight, we would strip weight. But the one thing that we never got rid of was anything that we could use to win the fight. You never get rid of the things that are going to help you to win the battle. soldier is issued with everything that he needs to protect himself and to win the battle. It will be a foolish soldier who went into battle without all of that equipment. But so often that is exactly what we do as believers. We neglect the very things, the very instruments that will help us fight sin. Put on the whole armor of God. It doesn't just stop at putting the armor on. A soldier doesn't put his armor on so that he can go back to bed. Have you ever tried to sleep in body armor? You can't. You ever tried to sleep with a motorbike helmet on? Shard, maybe you have. You can't, can you? You don't put armor on to go back to bed. Why do you put armor on? You put armor on to go into battle. You put armor on to fight. You put armor on to defend this. To defend this. A soldier puts his armor on because he's going to fight in the battle. Ephesians 6, 13-14 Wherefore take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in that evil day, having done all to... Stand. Stand, therefore. Stand, therefore. God has equipped you with everything that you need to stand and to fight. And as you come out of conference and you start to gain distance away from the lessons that you learned and the convictions you have, you're going to have to stand and fight. Because the world wants to consume you. The world wants you to think that that was a momentary, emotional moment and that it really doesn't matter. Put your armor on. Stand and fight. Often in soldiers, people would apologize or they would feel sorry for us when we were being deployed. They'd say things like, oh, that must be terrible. You've gone away from your family for all of that time. Or they'd say things, make comments about politicians and government. And they'd just say things like, oh, somebody should do something about that. But then they'd walk away. Why? Because they weren't willing to get engaged in the fight themselves. You know that at the heart of every good soldier there is a desire to fight There's a desire to go into battle, a desire to wage war against the things that threaten what we hold dear, the things that we stand for. As believers who are no longer slaves to sin, who are children of the Almighty God, in you is a God-given desire to fight sin. That's in you. Just as there is a desire to glorify God, then there is a desire to fight everything within us that does not glorify God. But sadly for many of us, we've been surrendering to sin for so long that the desire to stand and fight is no longer the loudest voice in our heads. We often allow the voice of our flesh, the voices of our past, the voice of our fears, the voice of our doubt, the voice of our pride, of our self-pity, of our sin nature to control the volume. Believer who is struggling this morning, can I implore you, don't give in, stand and fight. Stand and fight. God has equipped you as a believer with everything that you need to fight. The cry of our heart should be, as the psalmist cried in Psalm 51, create in me a clean heart. O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Romans 6.13 says, Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, Yield yourselves unto God and those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. Think about the wording there for a moment. It says, Neither yield your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin. It's not just saying don't give in. It's not just saying don't give up. It's saying when you do give in, you are an instrument to sin. When you do give in, you are a tool of Satan once again. That's pretty heavy. That's pretty weighty on my shoulders as a believer who's been equipped with everything I need to fight in this battle against sin when I surrender to sin and I become a tool in Satan's hands. Don't surrender your mind to sin. We've come out of conference and we had that emotional moment, that excitement, and now everything is real again and it's easy to just slip into our old patterns. Stand and fight. Put on the armor. Arm yourself with the mind of Christ. 1 Peter 4, verse 1, For as much then as Christ hath suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves likewise in the same mind. For he that hath suffered in flesh hath ceased from sin. So what does that mean practically for us? How do I do that? How do I arm my mind? I means starting your day off right. Go into each day knowing that there will be battles. Go into each day knowing where my weaknesses are. Prepare yourself by spending time in the Word of God. Spend time in prayer. You, more than anyone else, knows where you're weak. You, more than anyone else, knows how to prepare yourself for what's coming. Don't leave it to chance. Surrender that time to God in prayer. Surrender that time to God in His Word. Surround yourself with people who will fight alongside you. With people that are going to draw your heart to God. Set and then reset your focus on God. Finally, end your day with your mind on Christ. End your day with your mind on Christ. Spend those last waking moments of your day in prayer. And these might sound like simple things, and they are, but we neglect them. In 2010, while I was in Afghanistan, we had just returned from a a long patrol. Uh, We were. Muddy, we were dirty, we were stinky, we were covered in who knows what. We got back into the patrol base, we took off our body armor and our helmets, we put away our weapons, we went in and we had showers, and then we went to bed for the night. We were absolutely exhausted. In our minds, we were safe, we were confident in the protective walls of our accommodation. That night around midnight, the Taliban launched a rocket attack against us. The second rocket that was fired was from 11 kilometres away. It arched through the air and it landed directly on the protected donga that I was sleeping in. A massive explosion occurred, destruction all around us. And as we shook ourselves off, somewhat disoriented, somewhat confused as to what was happening, we realized that no one was hurt. A number of other rockets landed around us, but we were inside the protection of our accommodation despite the fact that we didn't have our body armor on, despite the fact that we didn't have our helmets on or any of our other protective gear, we were protected by that accommodation. Believer, don't for a moment leave your heart and your mind unprotected. Go to bed each night and commit that time to God. We think about committing the time during the day to God, but we don't often think about committing the time when we're sleeping to God. Commit that time to God. Protect your heart. Protect your mind. Let me give you one last point this morning, and thank you for staying awake. Last point this morning, fight like a victor, not a victim. Fight like a victor not a victim. Romans 8 verses 1 and 2, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. The law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. Friends, this morning the outcome is already determined. If you are a believer here this morning, your future is secure. You have an eternity, an eternity in Christ. Those in Christ are not condemned. You are no longer tied to the sin which was dragging you into hell. The verdict has been delivered in Christ, you are free. Not only are you free from the grip of death and sin, the power of Christ now works in you to wage war against sin and to win. Grab hold of this truth. If you have placed your faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ, you are united with Christ in the battle against sin. When I choose to sin, it's as if I'm pushing Christ away and saying, this is more important to me. This is what I truly love. This is where I want to be. As a believer, you are united with Christ in the battle against sin. In Jesus, there is no defeat. In Jesus, there is no surrender. In Jesus, there is only victory. Colossians 2, 13 through 15, and you Being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened together with him, made alive together with him, having forgiven all your trespasses, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it all out of the way, nailing it to his cross, and having spoiled principalities and powers, have made a show of them openly, triumphing over them. The outcome is secure. Christ has already conquered sin and death. Fight like a victor. Believer, have the heart of a warrior. We're coming away from conference. Some of you are going on to other things now. Some of you are going to TNS and to retreats and things like that. Have the heart of a warrior. Watch your heart. Because right now it is most susceptible. And if it isn't right now, in the next few weeks, and the next few months, it will be. Guard your heart. Know where you're weak. Know where Satan can attack you. Know that you are in the palm of God's hand and that you are safe in that and the victory is secure. Let me leave you with one last verse and we'll close. 1 Corinthians 15, 57 through 58, but thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Gracious Heavenly Father, thank you for this morning. Father, thank you for the conference that we've just come through Father, thank you for the people that are here this morning, Father, for their desire to serve you, Father, for their desire to stand and to fight. Father, thank you for equipping us with all that we need to win in the fight against sin. And Father, as we move forward over the next few weeks and over the next few months, I pray that you would continue to impress on our hearts the lessons that we learned in conference. And Father, that those things will not easily drift away, that they will not easily be forgotten, but through the Holy Spirit you would continue to convict our hearts. You would continue to draw us, to conform us, to mould us and to shape us into who you would have us be. Father, I pray that we would lay ourselves aside and we would desire to grow in our knowledge of you. And Father, to glorify you in everything that we do. Father, we pray this morning for those that are sick and are not here. Father, that you would protect them. And Father, we pray for our pastor as he prepares for the events that are coming up over the next few weeks. And Father, we pray that you would heal him and protect him. Father, again, we love you. And we are grateful for your grace and for your mercy. In your name, Amen.